We have started a, a you know, a subject matter. It's, it's called, the first description of it is, is uh, the Treasury Department of God, or Heaven's Treasury Department. And, uh, you know, you, you're not going to find that, you know, those words directly in there, but you will discover it very clearly because he promised that he would open his treasure. He would open his treasury, you know, and we can become, you know, recipients of that good grace and everything that's in that treasury, which uh, this morning you have already participated in many of the treasures that, you know, God, when God opens his treasure, uh, that he gives to us. And of course, that's, you know, salvation. You know, it is uh, justification, sanctification, you know, just filled with all the promises of God. And uh, uh, because we started last week, I'll just cover, uh, you know, the arenas that, that we covered, and they would be on last week's message. Number one, we are all managers and stewards of God's resources. We are all managers and stewards of God's resources. God's economic principle is love God and your neighbor. It's very simple. When we get into any kind of investments, as God invites us to invest, you know, where, you know what I mean, there's no loss. Lay treasures up in heaven, you know what I mean, basically, you know, where thieves can't break in, moth and rust doesn't, you know, doesn't deteriorate things, because that's what he was referring to, that, you know, the coins, et cetera, that they had, they would, they would you know, they would succumb to... Uh, to rust, you know, and the other means is et cetera. You know what I mean? Moth could even eat eat up some things that were valuable, but he said that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen when you invest in the kingdom, when you give into the treasury of God. You know, it does not happen. So uh, we discover that it is love that adds value. Love is what adds value. You have an item, but when that item or, which is time, talent, and treasure, you know, when it's in a heart that is, that is motivated from love, you know, the God kind of love, then the value goes way up. Goes way up. Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, you know, I can, I could have, uh, give everything that I've got, but if love isn't there, then there's no value to it. Okay, so so love is is, you know, that contributing factor, which we talk about, you know, in the fact of the, uh, uh, you know, the principle, you know, of God's economics is God and neighbor, God and neighbor. All right. God's economy works on giving and receiving not on selling and buying. Down here, you know what I mean, you are going to buy and sell. But when you take the kingdom, you are doing the principle of giving, and then you become also a re. 
deceiver. Amen. That's the difference between uh, the uh, earthly economy and the heavenly economy. The movement of what, of what and how you invest signifies the movement of your heart. Signifies the movement of your heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So wherever you want your heart to be, put your treasure there. Put your treasure there. And thank you for, you know, your heart movement. When you make a deposit in the the bank of God, the deposit records or considers, one, the amount, two, the sacrifice, three, the generosity in relationship to supply, and attitude in relationship to supply. Uh, Gifts are like seeds. When invested in God's kingdom, they multiply. Resources are time, talent, and treasure. God is not against riches. He's against indifference. Indifference. And then we concluded last week by God's five investment funds. There's a global fund. That's the treasury fund of God. There's the growth fund, which is discipleship. There is mutual fund, which is fellowship. There's the equity fund, which is ministry. There's the global fund, which is mission, missions. And actually giving you the definition of treasury fund now is worship. Because giving is an act of worship. Okay, it's an act of worship. And so we have those those. Excuse me. Those opportunities, you know, uh, to invest in the bank of God, in the treasury department. And he has promised that he would open up his good treasure, treasury, the heavens and pour it out back upon you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, this morning as we move into now keys and how to, uh, not just to invest, but to unlock God and to discover how that these blessings can arrive to our house and our lives. And we pray for the Holy Spirit to uh, just uh, enlighten us, ask him to give me the thoughts and the words and give us understanding in this whole purpose, Lord, that we feel led of you to do. Amen. Uh, I want to start this morning by 
just submitting to you God's memory books. God has memory books. He does. Where everything is registered. Where, where he puts it down. This is all in the scriptures. I mean, he has a memory book of the works of people. Revelations 20 and 12. And you'll find the, many of these scriptures we've got in the sermon reference. He has a memory book of the names of the saved. A memory book, the number and the name of the stars. Hairs on your head. Personalized book for that alone. All your tears are written in a book. Your physical features are written in a book. Every idle word, that is, words that are slanderous, are written in a book. Every godly work that you do, written in a book. The vestments made in God's kingdom are written in a book. Those who fear the Lord have a book. There's a book of purpose, and there's a book on giving. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Nothing to my chance. He said, I'm going to open the books. <laughs> I'm going to open the books. Thank God for them. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so, this morning, we want to, uh, I want to encourage you as we to invest in the distant future. Lay up treasures. Isn't that what we do when we save? It's for, you know, a distant future. And the withdrawalness, you can deposit and you can withdraw. Well, naturally here in this life and also from God's kingdom. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that, you know, God will go ahead and begin to send things your way. He'll give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, <clears throat> not only in the Eternities of God, but also in the, you know, days of your life here on earth. He said, I will open my good treasure of heaven and give you rain in its season. All right. So what's he saying? He said, I'm going to create, you know what I mean? The proper environment. 
for your investment. I'm going to create, you know, the field of your labor and that that contact that you have with society where your duty is. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bless it. I'm going to bless it. 2 Corinthians 9 says, God is able to make all grace, treasure chest of grace, abound toward you. That you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God says, you know what I mean? Proper investment, I will see to it that when a good work comes along, you will have something to give to it. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And then, of course, Philippians 4 and 19 says, God should supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about him. So we're empowered to prosper and succeed where the divine favor laws of God operate on our behalf. When the divine favor of God operates in your life, it doesn't mean that things always go right, but it means that all things always turn out right. They turn out right. Maybe you're waiting for the turn, but let me tell you, this morning God says they will turn out right. For he works all things together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He sees to it that it turns out right. Praise the Lord. And we discover that the blessings of God cover every area of human need and even bring into it the desires that we have of our heart. It touches our spiritual life and it touches our very practical, natural life. He said, I know you got need of them, all those natural things. But if you'll invest in the kingdom first, I'll take care of the other. I believe a key to... uh, our, our investment is to, number one, to see the greatness of God. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. When you see the Lord, get a picture and identify in, in a relationship of how great he is. And there's, we could run down that path this morning, but we won't run down that because I'm going to do a message on the mightiness of God. But Psalm 31 says, how great is your goodness. His goodness is not just goodness, it's a great goodness. Which you have laid up for them who fear you. That's the one we're going to talk about this morning the most, is the fear of God as we discover the keys 
to the treasure house of the master. It's amazing to begin to discover that within the framework of the fear of God, that the blessing of the Lord, you know, is on not only our spiritual life, but our natural life. Now let me go with, first of all, so we understand what the fear of the Lord is. Let's do our scriptures, Andy, first, I guess. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who is that? Jesus. Okay. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist." Why does, and why, that Jesus has to have the fear of the Lord? That's what it says. That the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and his delight is in the fear of the Lord. In fact, is in the Godhead. The fear of the Lord is functional between the Godhead. Because, you see, the fear of the Lord is to stand in awe. The fear of the Lord is to embrace authority. The fear of the Lord is having a high and exalted reverential view of him with respect, honor, and love. You see that in the life of Jesus concerning the Father. It's to be in awe of his majesty, his power, his wisdom, his justice, and his mercy. I'm odd. Are you odd? It's to be gripped with the desire to please him. See, the fear of the Lord involves the correct understanding of God's power. See, fearing the Lord does not mean living in a state of anxiety or dread of God, but that he alone holds the power over the destiny of everything. 
It was Job that said, I had heard about you, but when they got done writing about God, he said, now I in awe of you. Job chapter 37, 38, and 39. So this fear that we're talking about is not something that is to be frightening. It is something that is to cause us to be amazed. To be amazed. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is talked about over 300 times. But we're not in competition. It is actually talked about more than the love of God. And there is no single element that carries with it more blessing than having the fear of the Lord. Not being afraid of him, but seeing his majesty and seeing his greatness. That's why the scripture says that we're supposed to consider the heavens and the work of his hand. Because what it does, it begins to put it in perspective. See, we say, now the greatest event that happened, of course, is raising from the dead. But you have never been able to see that in reality so that you can make an assessment. It's something you believe, something that you hope in, But it's never transpired. You can't see it and assess it clearly. But he said when you take a look at creation, you can begin to assess the greatness, the mightiness, the awesomeness that can leave you in awe. That it all turns It has its existence all because of God. Amazing. Yes. So that, that's greatness of God in how that We need to spend time learning about the greatness of God so that we can learn the fear of God. See, we learn the fear of God. It is not something that automatically just happens. We learn the fear of God according to the scripture. Psalms 112 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, 
who delights greatly in his commandments. Then he begins to tell us what the blessings are. Number one, his descendants will be mighty on the earth and the, the generations shall be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness will stick around. It endures forever. So let me give, quickly give it to you. In this passage of scripture in Psalms 112, we're steadfast. He walks in holiness. He has economic provision. He is generous. His children are blessed. His decisions are directed by God. His enemies can't touch him. He blesses the life of others through giving. His children continue his legacy by becoming influencers. No matter where he begins, he always rises to the top. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. He rises to the top. Yes, he does. Joseph, you can take that man that fears the Lord and has the blessing of the Lord upon it and recognizes that life, you know, and everything about life, you know what I mean, is contingent upon the creator and the master and the savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, that he sent to help us in all of our weaknesses and our work. You can put a blessed man in prison and he will end up in the palace. You can take a blessed man and though his journey goes through the den of lions, he will end up next to the king. Because a blessed man, the fire can't burn him, the floods can't drown him, the famine can't make him go broke. Somebody, <laughs> hallelujah. Can't do it. Because everything can forsake you, but God will never forsake you. Hallelujah. Down here, what you have can be broken into and it can lose its value and it can become diminished. But when you need it the most, God says, I'm going to go ahead and open up the bank for you. I shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so grateful that there God is, covers all the bases. A blessed person We'll have meal in the barrel and oil in the cruise. You can knock them down, they get back up. You can put them in prison, but the angels set them free. You can cause your steps to sink, but he'll grab a plank and ride that piece of wood to safety. Absolutely. When it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way, it's because he has a 
fear of God, a reverential understanding of, you know, the awesomeness of God. And he is the everlasting love. And he is all powerfulness that's at his disposal. And that it's his good pleasure to give the kingdom. What is so wonderful about investing your life in the kingdom of God and the things of the, of the Lord is those seemingly natural things have natural benefits and eternal benefits. It says that when you fear the Lord that you'll have healthy relationships. You'll have divine protection, you'll have supernatural insight, and you will have earthly resources. That blessing is not just resources, but it's processes. It's conditions. Yes, because this God can create rivers in the desert, send water from a rock, manna from heaven, and put money in a fish's mouth. Listen, church, that's not a children's story. That's a Bible story. That's the word of the Lord. In all of those miracles and that, that, that God, that Jesus performed, he's showing us that he is Lord and master over it all. He is not just doing a thing for the thing. He's doing it so we can be, have a sense of safety and security. Whether or not it's sickness of body, lack, materially, or your world is, seems to be in chaos and not working out right. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. This is really Sunday, but you understand. <laughs> when I consider the work of your hands in the heavens and how you've made them, when I give contemplation to it, what a mighty God. You are. He says, do not fear him that can destroy your body. I think that has everything to do with the natural world. But fear him who can destroy both body and 
soul in hell. Now, you don't have to worry about that because you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, but that's a good message for those that don't believe. Some keys to the treasure chest of God is number one, I believe, to listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. Yes. It says in Deuteronomy 28, it says, Now if it will come to pass, you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments. I command you today, the Lord shall, your God will set you high above all the nations and the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. You say, Pastor, that's Old Testament law. Yes, it is. But the new covenant exceeds even the old covenant. It exceeds that. It says in 28 and 12, And the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land and the seasons to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall not be in a debt-deprived situation. You know, it's going to turn around. So listen to the voice. Listen to the voice. Listen to the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Can I, can I encourage you this morning? Don't get hung up on pet scriptures. It's good to have them to turn to. But sometimes you need to advance your health and your spiritual, you know, stature to dig a little deeper. Dig a little deeper. When the absence of the fear of the Lord becomes clearly evident, you will find that there is no room for authority. Authority goes by the way. Because in it there's no accountability. I think that we live in a missing authority world right now. Another key is generosity. Generosity. The generous soul shall be made fat. On that one there, he's not talking about your bank account. He's talking about your spiritual life. It's going to have some real positive, you know, healthy 
Thank you for being generous. Another one is righteousness. Pursue righteousness. It says, in the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked, or in the house, yes, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Trouble. Mm. I mean, I, I just run, man. That's what it does to me. I'm, 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 I'm running to righteousness, man. Because I don't want, and you don't either, want trouble. I believe there's a canopy over our lives because of the fear and the love of God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that keeping God's guidelines involves both fear and love. What does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk on all his ways, and to love him and to serve the Lord? I believe that the fear of the Lord produces obedience, and I believe that the love of God produces service. The power of the early church. The power of the early church. You know what I mean? The Apostle Paul writes in... No, excuse me. No, Paul didn't write it. Acts. You know, Peter. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. He's recorded in there. And walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, there was multiplication. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is positive, not negative. Remember the midwives. They made right decisions in the face of the king based upon that they feared God more than they feared the king. They respected God. They, they, they honored God. They were in awe of God. And saved lives. Yes. Fear of the Lord. Moses chose leadership based upon the fear of God. Exodus 9 and 30. Look out for men who have the fear of God and men of truth. Did you know that the fear of the Lord, according to the scripture, will also make us, make us treat, you know what I mean, the less fortunate right? Disabled and the elderly, Leviticus chapter 19, 14, beginning. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans, and in in, there's other scriptures with this too, but he says that the reason that people, you know what I mean, just transgress God 
without consideration is because they miss the fear of the Lord. There's no fear in them. There's no fear of God in them. As a church, we must have a healthy fear of God. Gotta have a healthy fear of God. I love my dad. He was a big dude. Factual, fair, and yet so loving. There was safety in him. Many times, even the day I wish I could go to him because of that trust, you know what I mean, and the nature of him. But there was still a, an awe and a reverence that I had toward him. No, we do not have to worry about judgment as in our eternal destiny. But we do need to know that there is discipline. There is discipline. And it was that discipline that oftentimes kept me obedient. (laughs) Come on, church. It wasn't, oh, he loves me too much that he's not going to do anything. No, he loves me so much he's going to do something. Ouch! (laughs) It was healthy. And the fear of God is, is like that. It says in Deuteronomy chapter verse 10 that we need to teach not just the love of God but the fear of God. Gather the people to me, and, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Come on, let's sit down. You can't make decisions for people, but you sure can teach them. You can give them an option because he said that it's, you know, I set before you a blessing and a curse. The option is there. Let me tell you the pluses and let me tell you the minuses. Yes. There is no fear in love, you tell me. 
God's love does not cast out reverence, awe. No. It casts out being afraid. It casts out being anxious. It casts out, you know what I mean, being scared. Because with the fear of the Lord, we read, he shall judge, you know, in equity. Righteously. See if I can encourage you this morning. The benefits of the fear of the Lord. Number one, you receive divine instruction when you fear the Lord. Psalms 25. Divine instruction. You get to be kept in the secret place of his of his presence. You will be confident and courageous. Psalms 112. You will experience contentment. Your prayers will be heard. You're going to be blessed with wisdom. And you'll still be teachable and peaceful. Yes. In the fear of the Lord, you have constructive speech. Malachi, for those who feared the Lord, spoke oft one to another. And a book of remembrance was written, and they shall be mine. How many think that's pretty good speech? (laughs) It is. The subject matter is that is the Lord. Ask my musicians to come. The writer of Ecclesiastes brings the summation of life together. Having done all, experienced all, tried everything, and he says this, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the duty 
here. Gone. Not afraid. But a God that's so big and so powerful and so majestic and so, you know, beyond comprehension actually does exist. And that big and powerful and majestic, you know what I mean, who, who needs nothing from anybody or anything sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him for what? To get us back so we could actually understand God better in the way he really was. In the way that he really is. Yes. As this thing is being wrapped down, wrapped up, excuse me, in the book of Revelation, which is, you know, a picture that we get to see of those things that were to be and to come and the finalization of things. There's a voice. As all of this has taken place and it makes a sound and it says he says it with a loud voice. Fear God and give him glory. prophet said the nations are a drop in the bucket said that life is a vapor but God is eternal amen hallelujah as you invest And I started out investment in this first part was invest in your relationship with Jesus Christ first of all. Invest in it. Why? Because it's the only area of investment that has guaranteed eternal benefits. All the while, you know, paying interest while you are here walking and doing and serving and caring and loving. These investments in the kingdom start with our personal investment. That is ourself. 
before anything else, before things, substance, material. It all starts with Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the tender mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship. Amen. Amen. As you stand with me this morning, I don't know where your surrender is, okay? I know that there is a moment in a time that you have surrendered. Don't get me wrong. And I believe that this morning that, you know what I mean? that there is degrees of surrender. But we have to keep surrendering. There's a story. It's called the Wee Bobby story. He was in church and he's just a little guy. And they were taking an offering. And when the offering plate came by, this little guy, he took it, he set it down, and he stepped in it. This is my offering. He offered himself to God that, that day, night, not sure if it was day or night. And that wee Bobby became Robert Moffat, who along with David Livingston took and shook the continent of Africa because first of all gave himself hallelujah and I think that that's what Paul is referring to when he says, if it doesn't have love, if it hasn't first, you haven't first given yourself the value is not there. Thank you for giving yourself. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, you know what I mean? For your life. Father, this morning, in the sense of the word, I want to pass that offering plate. And God, and we want to step in it. We give ourselves. to you.
Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of as you go today. Be encouraged and be challenged. Go with God. Amen. Hallelujah. Consider the work of his hands. Spend some time digesting it. Hallelujah. God bless. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.